Blog Talk Radio. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. I'm actually, now. You're I'm actually, I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. But I'm trying to focus on my position. With your host, Chad Wilson. They hate no me on set. You know, I got to do something in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Me you all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Don't get out of my face with that crazy that, that, stuff. That. The number to call, 347-633-9365. If y'all got to take, y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at Gridiron Stud. And now, your host, Chad I guess that's my cue. It's 10 a.m. on Thursday. It's October 29th, two days away from Halloween. We're getting closer to the end of the high school football season, moving to uh, closer and closer to the first release of the uh, the rankings that really matter in college football, you know, the ones that determine. Well, I don't even know if they do determine. Why do we even have rankings anymore? I'm not even sure. I started down a road there and realized it might not be the right road. Uh, but the rankings that matter, I guess in college football, and uh, we're nearing the center of the NFL football season. I guess it's week, uh, weeks 10, 9, and 8. Am I right on that? I don't know. Hard time keeping up. Moving so fast, we're dying for the football season to uh, get here not too long ago, and now we're uh, in the middle of it and the end of it and all that other good stuff. But uh, it's another edition of the Gridiron Stud Show. We're here with you for the next hour and a half. Coming up on the show today, I'm going to have Nick Delatore from GatorCountry.com to talk about the Florida Gators' big matchup this weekend in uh, Jacksonville, the world's biggest cocktail party, Gators versus the Bulldogs, and a lot on the line here uh, for the Florida Gators. A win here, and they possibly clinch a trip to Atlanta. Not a whole lot of people thought that when this season began. you got to take your hat off to the great job that Coach Jim McElwain and his staff have done at the University of Florida. Um, You know, look, when you think about it, Florida was very close in several games last year. Ended up the season 7-5, and I believe. Could have won the LSU game. Could have won the Florida State game. That would have made them 9-3. and Should have won the South Carolina game. You're talking about them being 10-2 and right there. Uh, the Missouri game was a tragedy. 
They had opportunities in the Alabama game. If you look at the final score, then, you know, kind of difficult to say off that final score that they could have won that game. But if you were there live watching it or you watched it at home in its entirety, you know Florida had opportunities to win that game and uh, kind of let that slip away. But, you know, Florida Gators could have been a 10-2 and football team last year, maybe even an 11-1 and football team, oddly enough. So uh, Jim McElwain came in, a little bit of a focus on the little things that may have been the reason why you lost a couple of those games or three of those games last year. And here they are right now sitting at 6-1 uh, and one going into this football game. So I'm going to have Nick Delatore on, and we'll talk about uh, what's the latest going on with the Florida Gators. And then I'm going to have – Bud Elliott on from Tomahawk Nation. It is a rare time that I will have Bud Elliott on after a Florida State loss. Maybe the first time, really, because I don't think that I had Bud on last year after Florida State lost to Oregon. Don't really remember that. So maybe the first time I have him on here after uh, a loss as Florida State went down to Georgia Tech. We'll try to find out what happened there, fan reaction to it. And uh, kind of get his thoughts a little bit on what's going on down at the University of Miami. You know, Bud is always very interesting. The biggest thing of interest we're going to talk about today is uh, an article that Bud put out on Tomahawk Nation talking about the 2013 Florida State defense and why it's maybe comparable or even better than the 2001 University of Miami Hurricanes defense. What blaspheme from Bud Elliott at Tomahawk Nation. He can be accused for being a uh, button pusher. No doubt about that. So did he push some buttons here? Is he is he even close to being right? Is he anywhere close to anything like that? We will uh, attempt to find out. We'll talk about that on the show coming up today. But uh, what do we have going on around the rest of the world of sports and on the gridiron? The uh, World Series continues. Is anyone paying attention? If you're not, I'm going to fill you in. Kansas City Royals won last night. They are now up 2-0 on the New York Mets as uh, the series now goes from Kansas City and heads over to New York, where uh, I don't need to tell you this. You don't have to be a very strong baseball fan to know. The Mets need to win this next game, and uh, it would be in their best interest to sweep what they've got at home because you don't need to come back to Kansas City trying to win two games. No question about that. Just uh, The Royals' bats are hot. But when you think about this, we've got two teams here. I think the last time the Royals... We're in the World Series. I don't even remember if the Royals won. I guess I could look that up since I'm sitting here with Google at my fingertips. The Royals were in the World Series in 1985. They were in it last year, but you know, I need to, I need to, I need to check out uh, who was a winner of 1985 World Series. The Mets were winners in 1986. So you got two 80s babies here in this in this thing, and. Uh, you know, these are some long-time teams that have uh, been missing. One, one, Look, one of these two teams is going to win for the first time in a long time. So um, if you're you know, a baseball fan and you like something like parody or anything like that, um, then, you know, you like to see this. Okay, the Royals were your winners in 1985. Couldn't dig that out of the memory banks. I'm not a big Royals fan or a St. Louis Cardinals fan. So the Yankees weren't in it in 1985. I didn't have... All of my attention on it. I do remember watching a couple games from the World Series because, you know, I'm a baseball fan, so I did pay some kind of attention. I I probably paid more attention to that 1985 World Series as a 13-year-old than I have to this World Series. Life's a little bit more busy for me these days 
as a, a grown man, and this is exactly 30 years ago. So any of you out there want to do the math, but nevertheless, Royals last time they were winners was uh, 30 years ago. And the last time the Mets were winners, 29 years ago. So it's been a long drought for both of these teams. And uh, we'll have to, uh, we'll, we'll just have to see who comes out on top. Right now, uh, the uh, Royals are in the catbird seat, as as they say. And uh, this is their second go around. They, you know, they they were in this thing last year, so they kind of they kind of had the upper hand there, and knowing the feeling won't the, the moment won't be too big. They were just in this thing, so uh, they're at it again. Uh, are the Royals trying to build a dynasty? Who would have said that five years ago? Uh, the Kansas City Royals were a small market team, somewhat of a joke. They came out to a big start. You're just sitting around waiting for the time when uh, it would all fall apart for them, usually somewhere around uh, you know early to mid-July. And you just seem disappearing further and further from uh, the first place spot that they may have jumped out in. So uh, that's that. Series is heading back. To New York, where the Mets desperately need a win. The NBA basketball season is kicked off. The Miami Heat jumped out to a win. You know, something they needed to do. You know how fans are down here. You you know how that works. But the Heat come up with a win against the Charlotte Hornets, 104-94. Other winners last night were the Wizards. Celtics open up with a win, put up 112 points in the process. Raptors beat the uh, Pacers. Chicago Bulls now 2-0. and They're jumping out fast, out the gate here. Pistons win over the Utah Jazz. Some people have picked the uh, Oklahoma State Thunder to be NBA champions. I've heard that. They open up with a win against the San Antonio Spurs. Nuggets win over the Houston Rockets. Cleveland gets that win. The win they couldn't get on opening night against the Chicago Bulls. And, you know, LeBron James called a meeting. Mission accomplished. LeBron and uh, the uh, Cavaliers go out and get their win, win by 30 points over Memphis. Knicks also winners. Along with the Mavs and the Portland Trailblazers, Clippers winners. Uh, The Lakers were not winners. Valiant effort by the Lakers, but they come up short. 112 to 111 to uh, that team from Minnesota. What kind of season is it going to be for the uh, L.A. Lakers? Everyone would like to know. And uh, what's Kobe going to do? NFL headlines. Uh, Brandon Marshall, I wonder what people are going to have to say about this. Very critical of Greg Hardy and his sideline antics. Greg Hardy's been tripping. There's just no other way around it. He's uh, his little meltdown on the sideline spilled over into uh, missing practice the next day, and you know the team's going to make excuses for him now because they just don't want that issue. They've got enough going on around Dallas right now to uh, not have this issue going on. 
But uh, nevertheless, they better get Greg Hardy under control, okay? Because the Cowboys team's a little bit of a circus now. Dez and missing Romo on the shelf. Dez and Hardy fighting on the sidelines. Time to start cranking up that theme song to Dallas. Soap opera. And uh, the Cowboys need to get things under control. JPP, Jason Pierre-Paul appears to be on his way back onto the field, or at least onto the roster for the New York Giants with uh, a couple of digits missing on his hand. He did return to practice yesterday, and we'll be, we're all uh, waiting to see just uh, what exactly he's going to be able to do with his injured hand. And I don't know if we have any, any information on uh, his contract, which obviously is not exactly what it would have been had he not done a little dance with some fireworks in the off season. Let that be a lesson to you guys out there. There's reports of uh, drama going on in the San Francisco 49ers locker room. That is to be expected. They are far cry short of what they uh, have been in the past, and that was under Jim Harbaugh. The guy that uh, the the uh, powers that be there did not want around any longer. I mean, what exactly was it that Jim Harbaugh was doing that a guy winning like that needed to be put out? Very, very interesting there. College football news, Minnesota Golden Gophers, uh, you know, head coach Jerry Kill was having problems with seizures. He had had a couple in games freaking everyone out and apparently he's continue to have them and so that's going to uh he calls it quits and uh he'd kind of reached the ret- retirement age anyway 54 years old i mean you can you know you got guys coaching into their 70s but when you're having these kind of uh medical issues it's best to just step away and take take care of those What's going on in Ohio State? Everyone wanting them to uh, win with a little bit more uh, oomph and intensity. They did do that last week, pounding Rutgers. But then there's this little back and forth about who has the better arm. Is it J.T. Barrett or is it Cardale Jones? J.T. Barrett has an opinion on it. Says, hey, I can do all the same things as Cardale Jones. And they need to get this thing under control, too, because this could certainly boil over. So, a uh, couple of quotes here from that. Saying, uh, Barrett says, you know, the offense really didn't change with Cardell in the game. Like last year when I was playing, how many deep balls did I throw to Devin Smith? All the deep balls that we had were to Devin, and I threw them. But I guess since I'm not 6'5", 250 pounds, that I didn't have a strong arm or something. I didn't know what that was about. We didn't have new plays in, so Cardell could throw the ball farther down the field. It was our base plays. We just worked with that. Nothing has changed. So I even forgot about your question because I wanted to say that for a long time, to be honest with you, because I didn't know what that was about. I threw deep balls the whole year, and it was like, oh, Cardell, he's got a strong arm. They're going to be throwing deeper and pass it downfield, Barrett said. Well, what are you talking about? I can do the same things. The thing is, now, when a play breaks down and somebody's 80 yards down the field, am I going to throw it? Absolutely not. Cardell's going to throw that. I'm not going to throw that. But I feel that's different. 
Whoa. Is there a little venom in that? What's he mean by Cardell's going to throw that? I'm not going to throw that. Are you saying Cardell's more apt to make some kind of mistakes when he's out there? I mean, uh, there may be something here with all this. Something for us to keep an eye on. So, you know, once you're the defending champ, people are always looking for that chink crack in your armor. And uh, these kind of words here sound like there may be something going on there. Following up on that, Barrett had this to say. It was just like, that's crazy to me. If you go back and watch film, I threw a lot of deep balls. Were some on the throne? Absolutely. That was early in the year, and I got better as the year went on. But I was like, do I have a weenie arm? In the off season, that was in my head the whole time. I was lifting weights because I felt like I couldn't throw the ball deep because you all were talking bad about me. Well, you know what, JT, man? You're going to have to start forgetting about the media. A lot of reporters don't really know what they're talking about anyway. They have their jobs because they can write. They can put stuff together that people, you know, want to read. Doesn't necessarily mean they know anything about football, so... A lot of that's uh, some. It's kind of what some of these young guys need to learn. These guys are not the gospel. So going and overly concerning yourself with what they write is uh, a sure way to disaster. Hey, you guys may have seen this after Georgia Tech's win over Florida State. Georgia Tech coach Paul Johnson was making his way off the field and uh, made some kind of a funny gesture there with his face, facial expression, wagging his tongue, like uh, almost like sticking it to Florida State. Here's what he had to say about it. I think I saw the replay Saturday night when we got home, Johnson said. I was watching the Stanford-Washington game, so they played it on ESPN a few times. My wife didn't mention it. My daughter gave me a hard time. You know, she's into all the social media, so she sent me a vine or whatever it is, but that was it. I think I really, I think really I was responding. When they caught me, I wasn't responding to the game. I was responding to what one of the fans said to me. And the question was, what did that fan say to you? Paul Johnson said this. It was some girl. I don't know who she was. She goes, hey, I love you, coach. And I was just like, yeah. If that field goal had went through, I doubt she would have loved me much. So uh, that's the explanation for the uh, tongue wag. For uh, anyone out there who cared, a couple of Florida State fans didn't too much care for that. But, hey, you know, it is what it is. Upset a couple of folks there. All right, I'm going to take a break. When I get back, we'll talk some more college and NFL football here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Stay tuned. Do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoff. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. 
One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code Gridiron Studs. Do it now! You want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills, and in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Twenty-one here on the Gridiron Studs Show. Uh, the game that everyone locally down here in the Miami area wants to see is this one tonight as the Miami Dolphins travel to take on the New England Patriots. Uh, a lot of fans obviously very happy about how the Dolphins have turned things around in the last two games. They've done so in crushing fashion, not giving either Tennessee or Houston Texans a chance to breathe, really just punched them in the mouth. You've got uh, another segment of the uh, Dolphin population that are not quite sold, and they feel like tonight would be a better barometer of where the the, uh, Miami Dolphins are. I don't know that it will be. Listen, Thursday night road games are tough. And we had Warren Sapp on here with us on Tuesday and kind of explained why, uh, you know, winning those Thursday night road games are indeed uh, so difficult. When you think about it, he's right. You know, you play a game on Sunday, so that means Monday is going to be an off day. Tuesday is really the only day that you can actually get in a practice to prepare because Wednesday's a travel day for you. And if it's a Thursday night road game, you're traveling on Wednesday. So you're basically got a walkthrough. And we're talking about the number one team in the NFL right now, and you're one day to prepare. It's what the Dolphins are walking into here. One day to prepare for the uh Best team in the NFL right now, and they're a team you have to prepare for. It's not like, you know, they always come up with something new. If you notice that about the Patriots, you never know which one of their damn running backs is going to be the one that gets the ball a whole bunch and goes off. Seems like from week to week they find some unsung hero in their offense, some receiver you weren't even thinking about, goes out and catches eight or nine balls or stings the opposition with two touchdowns in opportune moments. 
So you can't walk into a New England Patriots game half-baked, half-prepared. you got to be prepared for any and everything. And it's part of the beauty of what the uh, New England Patriots do. You ne- they're just, you know what they're doing, but then you don't know what they're doing. So the Miami Dolphins and Dan Campbell have had all of one day to prepare for this game. So if Miami Dolphin fans are going to go get, they're going to turn really, really negative should the Dolphins come out on the losing end of this game tonight, well, then, you know, that's shame on you. Because although you're not too impressed by the two previous opponents for the Dolphins, the Texans and the Titans, who admittedly are not having the greatest seasons, those are NFL football teams with professionals. And uh, they've battled every week. And I'm pretty sure they came into the game against the Dolphins looking to battle, and it was anything but that, 38-10 and 44-26. If you're not impressed by that, then something's wrong with you. Because you've, uh, you know, if you call yourself a Dolphin fan, you've obviously watched the Dolphins play over the, at least over the last few years. And I'm telling you, you've never seen anything like that over the last few years from the Dolphins. I dare a Dolphin fan to call me up and tell me about a game they saw the Dolphins play like either one of the last two at any point over the last three seasons. Hasn't happened. So there's definitely something different there. This is definitely a different team. This is definitely a better team. So, you know, do yourself a favor and uh, get off of their case. Win or lose tonight. Uh, I think the Dolphins deserve some kind of respect. You can't have them. You can't have just this game alone be the measuring stick. You can't go and throw out, you know, everything they've done. uh, You know, the last two games, if they happen to come up on the losing end tonight. Now, that's just my message to Dolphin fans who are poised and ready to uh, get all negative here. Do yourself a favor and get off of that. It's not the route you want to go. Just my little message to you, Dolphin fans. Enjoy the game tonight. I, uh, I'd i be surprised if, um, you know, they don't come out with a ball of fire because it's been a lot about emotion. You know, they've done that the last two games. I don't expect any of that to be different. Um, you know, will will the uh will the Patriots, you know, do things to damper some of that? Yeah, cuz that's what the Patriots do. They they come in in this game no strangers, no fools. They understand that you know, they they get it. They understand that emotion is a lot of what's fueling the Dolphins right now. So they're going to take steps to slow some of that down. So that's going to be interesting. I'm going to continue the NFL talk here, but I do want to jump and throw this question out there to my listeners right now. Uh, this may seem fairly easy, but you know I want you guys to give me Three names of guys out there that you think, three college coaches right now, 
that you think can win anywhere in the country? The obvious answers are going to be Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, Jim Harbaugh. I get that. Can you come up with something outside of those three? Just don't be easy with it. So, again, I, I, you know, I understand the three most successful, Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, Jim Harbaugh. But uh, step outside the box there a little bit for me. And so feel feel free to call in with that answer, 347-633-9365. Again, 347-633-9365. Jumping back into the NFL discussion, uh, you got a better slate of uh, NFL games this week, we must admit. We've got the game going on tonight. Wish it wasn't on a Thursday because I feel the Dolphins are at a supreme disadvantage. The Dolphins come out with a win here, then uh, I think the city of Miami is going to go nuts. I think the campaign to make Dan Campbell the uh, full-time head coach at the Miami Dolphins will certainly get cranked up to a fever pitch. But again, with one day to prepare when you're a road team on these Thursday night NFL games, which I don't like, I get what the uh, NFL is trying to do. They're trying to own the real estate. They own Monday night. They own Sunday night. They own Sunday. And uh, Thursday night's open. They want to jump on Thursday night. I don't like that it's dampering down the matchups in college football. Let college football have Thursday night. I don't think we get enough big-time matchups on the Thursday night college football. Let's let's get bigger games in that spot. Kind of like those. Because the NFL Thursday night games have been completely ho-hum for the most part. Anyway, San Francisco and St. Louis. uh, You know, San Francisco not having a great season. But still, something you want to see. Can they get it together against St. Louis? Is St. Louis now... uh, can they form themselves into a juggernaut? I say no. They don't have a quarterback, but you got to love what Todd Gurley's doing. you got to love the defense. I've been talking about this defense for years now, and I feel like they're wasting the good years here with the St. Louis Rams defense by not having a quarterback with any amount of competence. Ben Roethlisberger comes back for the Pittsburgh Steelers and had a great time taking on the red-hot Cincinnati Bengals who sit atop the uh, division right now, good time for him to come back. That's going to be a great matchup to watch. Raiders and the Jets. We're going to find out just have the Raiders really turned the corner here because you're going to get a Jets team coming into this game off of a loss. So they'll be uh, peaked. The Raiders will have the Jets' full attention. And so with that being said, can the Raiders go ahead and follow up the win last week? With a win against a very good Jets team, that will be highly motivated. Seahawks and the Cowboys. Cowboys don't have Romo, but they just might have Des Bryant back. Can they hold the ship together? And the Seahawks really, really need a win. So it's going to be a life or death struggle between those teams. So that makes things very, very interesting. And then you got a big one on Sunday night as the Packers take on the Denver Broncos. All types of good stuff going on there with that. That's for sure. So, uh, you know, a much better lineup. Let's talk fantasy football. 
I know a lot of you folks are into the FanDuel. FanDuel has been a big, big story. FanDuel and DraftKings have been a very big story uh, this football season for obvious reasons. You know, they've done a great job of advertising. They've been everywhere, including uh, on Gridiron Studs, as they are an advertiser here on the uh, Gridiron Studs show and on gridironstuds.com. But uh, with all that attention came some of the wrong attention from legislators who want to know what the hell's going on. They're such a pain in the rear end. Don't you have, like, real stuff to worry about? Apparently not. Nevertheless, uh, I know a lot of you play the one-day fantasy league. So what's who are some people to keep an eye on? In tonight's game, obviously Tom Brady, but not just because he's Tom Brady. Tom Brady has had some very big games over the years and in recent history against the Miami Dolphins. Don't know why that might necessarily not be the case. They've put the ball in his hands a little bit more this year. I'm, you listen, you know, I'm a go-against-the-grain type of guy. I think some of you have figured that out. I'm telling you, the uh, New England Patriots' inability to or unwillingness to really establish the running game and uh, going back to wanting to make the short passing game their running game, that's going to come back to bite them in the rear end. I think that's going to keep them from going where they want to go. I think over these next few weeks, they better start establishing some kind of toughness up front with their running game and stop Stop wanting to answer all of their challenges with the little quick throw to, to Edelman and Amendola and Lewis out the backfield. When the elements change, the weather starts to flip, and not even just that. I mean, some nights you just – some days that passing game is just not going to work. Guys aren't going to get open. Teams will figure something out. Or guys just drop the ball. And you got to be able to turn around and hand the ball at some point when you need it. And uh, they're quickly moving themselves in a direction where they uh, are not going to be able to do that when they need to do it. But nevertheless, uh, it's working for them now. So Tom Brady's someone you might want to put on your one-day fantasy league. And if he's rolling, you're going to want to pair him with, with Edelman. He's had great games against the Miami Dolphins. Definitely has. So I think Rashad Matthews is probably someone you want to put on your one-day fantasy league uh, roster tonight. He's someone you want to pick up. Mike Wallace has had some pretty good games, and he's had he had some good games against the uh, New England Patriots in the last couple of matchups. The equivalent of Wallace on this year's team, I think, is going to be Rashad Matthews, not Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry, different type of receiver underneath guy, works that kind of stuff. So I think uh, you might want to go with the equivalent, which is uh, a Rashad Matthews, probably a more complete receiver than a Mike Wallace. Going on to Sunday, Matt Ryan. He's had some big games in the past against the uh, against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And if he's going big time, you know Julio Jones is going to have something to do with that. He's going to be in the middle of that somewhere. And I'm going to shock some of y'all with this because, you know, I've not been, even when things were going great for him, I've not been a big Colin Kaepernick fan. Don't like, just don't like the way he plays that position. Uh, 
but it's hard to deny that he's had some big games against the St. Louis Rams over the years. Maybe this is a game where he can uh, get a little bit of his mojo back. I don't like the long-term prospects for for Colin Kaepernick unless he wants to change his game, but uh, this week he may indeed continue to have his big game. And, you know, the St. Louis Rams don't give big games to quarterbacks and wide receivers, but they've had their problems with Colin Kaepernick in the past and uh, they've had a hard time stopping Anquan Bolden for whatever reason. So those two are uh, two people you want to be in play with. Ben Roethlisberger coming back, I think he's someone you want to take a look at. He's done extremely well against the Cincinnati Bengals in recent history. And uh, if he's going, you know Le'Veon Bell is having a big time, and so are Antonio Brown. And if those two guys are going well and putting up points, you know Cincinnati's got to keep up with them somehow. And the way they're going to do that is with uh, A.J. Green and uh, Andy Dalton. Just some names to throw out there to you. And when Tennessee and Houston get together, Houston seems to be able to put up some pretty good passing games. So you may want to grab the Houston quarterback. Might want to grab Hoyer. And you got to love what Nate Washington's doing there. He's the hot hand right now. And uh, Hopkins. You also want to jump on with Hopkins. So just some names there as I play fantasy football guy for you. We are partial to FanDuel here on this site. Love their app. Easy to use. Um, Very easy to play. And you don't get stuck on the whole season-long fantasy I mean, because, you know, I tried that. Tried the whole season-long fantasy thing. And, you know, if you miss, if you, if you don't get your roster in one week, you're taking a loss there. It gets to be a little bit of a grind. So, uh, you know, the one-day fantasy stuff is cool. You do it this week if you feel like it. And if you don't feel like doing it the next week, you don't do it. You know, you could put a dollar in there and get $50 out of this thing. Or, you know, a grand, 20 grand. Very small entry fees and um, chance to win several thousands of dollars. And that's probably what has people uh, all up in arms about it. Who knows? But nevertheless, enjoy it while it's here. $1, $2 entry, $5 entries, and you could come out of this thing. If, you, if you're really hot and you get them all, you pick all the sleepers or you get everyone that's going to go off on a Sunday, it could uh, could change your year. These guys are going to give away a billion dollars. That's no, I mean, uh, with a B, that's not a lot. They're going to give away a billion dollars in prizes this year. So check them out. If you're not a member of FanDuel, head over to FanDuel.com. And um, you want a little help with what you put in there? Click the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and put in Gridiron Studs as your promo code. You'll get a bonus when you sign up. But uh, just some names to throw out there to you. Again, quarterback Brady, Matt Ryan, Colin Kaepernick, Ben Roethlisberger, Andy Dalton, expecting them to have big games this week, along with Julian Edelman, Anquan Bolden, Antonio Brown, A.J. Green, Nate Washington, Hopkins as well, and uh, Le'Veon Bell, because he's he's been under wraps. He was on fire last year. He's been under wraps for a few weeks here. I know he's dying to bust out. Ben Roethlisberger coming back will certainly help that situation for him. So definitely uh, someone for you to 
keep an eye on and add to one of your FanDuel fantasy football teams. But again, uh, you got to be in it to win it. So if you are not a member, go to FanDuel.com, click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner, enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. That's just uh, my little promo for today. We'll be back right after this. I'm going to have Nick De La Torre from GatorCountry.com to talk some Gators football. We'll be back right after this. On the track, bro. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now, set your profile up, and let yourself be seen. The 7-on-7 season, summer basketball, family picnics, all around the corner, and you're paying big money for t-shirts from screen printers? Why? Screen printed t-shirts are costly when done for small groups. They're limited in color unless you want to pay an even higher price. More colors mean higher prices. How do we solve this? Do it yourself at home with your inkjet printer and a hand iron. That's right, with heat transfer paper sold at t-shirtsupplies.com, you can design your own logos, Put any wording you want, print it on your inkjet print paper, and using the proper paper sold by t-shirtsupplies.com, you can get this the way that you want it. There's no limit to the amount of color or the design. You can transfer a photograph using this paper. It's great for team sports. It's great for family reunions. It's great for birthday grips. The t-shirt is part of the American culture, and now you can design your own. Don't worry if you haven't done it before. T-Shirt Supplies has the first-rate customer service. They will help you get the paper you want for your project and steer you in the right direction. Visit them now at t-shirtsupplies.com. That's t-shirts, no hyphen, supplies, plural, all one word, dot com. Or call them at one 857 2737 That's 1-877-85-PAPER. T-shirtsupplies.com. Go there now. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payouts. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over 600000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. 
But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Get a grip. Where you get that from? Because somebody told us it? Don't go there with me. Nice you want to keep day. it real, you keep it real with me. Because I ain't for no game, okay? like that never dies so that was uh some sound bites from old alan iverson's mom um she should have been quoted more often they should have interviewed her a whole lot more during uh the answer's career nevertheless it's college football time and specifically it's time to talk florida gators football as we do every week here on the show and uh no better person to have on than my next guest who I missed last week, but uh, we've, it's it's good to have him on now. Uh, there's a big game coming up, right? Florida, the world's biggest cocktail party, and I've got Nick Delatore on here to talk about it with me. Nick, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Last week, uh, that's on me. We'll get it fixed. So uh, <laughs> moving forward, not going to happen. You sound you sound like Al Golden. <laughs> oh, Before man. we jump, well, Miami into that, fans must be happy a, down there. Um, yeah, they are. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, I went to the game last week. You kind of got the sense that the fans there did not necessarily want the Hurricanes to win because they kind of wanted to fast mm-hmm. forward this whole thing and get Golden out of there. But I don't think anyone wanted to see a 58 nothing. Maybe in hindsight, they're happy about it because it, it it it's accelerated this thing in a way I don't think anyone thought it would happen. No one thought gold. Everyone down here really felt like with this administration and the athletic director and what they've shown in the past, um, plus the way they'd been talking, that Golden would at least make it to the end of the year. Well, 58 nothing put a damper on all that. Tell me what went through your mind uh, as you watched that or heard about it, or you know what 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 were your thoughts as as a guy that follows the Gators. Uh, well, I was watching it, and my first thought was, you know, growing up in South Florida, my first thought was Miami is a second-half team, always have been. Uh, but I don't know what kind of second half <laughs> would have overcome that first half. I think uh, when Dabo keeps the team on the field at halftime, I think his message was just, hey, do more of that. Um, but mm-hmm. anytime there's a loss like that, listen, Clemson is a very, very good team. I've talked to um, several people who cover the ACC and they think Clemson's going to roll over FSU, um, that, that this Clemson team is a for real um, college football playoff contender. So I think it just showed where Miami fans want to be in a position where they're rolling over teams like Clemson and showed them just how far away they are from that. And you're not getting closer 
with the direction that you're going. So it, it was time to make a change. And I think there's always that kind of, uh, you know, cataclysm kind of moment that makes you open your eyes and say, oh, well, what we're doing isn't working. Uh, yeah, that that became painfully obvious. Um, and you know, Clemson didn't even go in the locker room at the halftime. They stayed out there like a like a pee wee football team, just adding insult to injury there. Uh, as Dabo Swinney said, the uh, whole setup there was bush league. He actually used that term. Said it was bush league. Both both teams going through the tunnel and just the whole setup there. So uh, many many shots taken. Not just what you saw there on the field. All right, let's talk Florida Gators. Big one coming up here. It's a chance to mm-hmm. essentially clinch the uh, SEC East. Am I am I right on that? I mean, technically they they, they not, can't win a win here, but mathematically, not mathematically, because if what a time to be alive, Vanderbilt is still in it right now. Isn't um, that something? So Florida, Florida would if if Florida beats Georgia this week, they would then need to lose their next two games against Vanderbilt and South Carolina and some other pieces would have to also shake down. But with a win this week, Florida all but mathematically wins the SEC East and would go to Atlanta for the first time since 2009. Isn't that something? Uh, Not a whole lot of folks, as I said in the opening part of today's show, expected that to be the case. They, You know, I believe Florida fans obviously expected there to be an improvement um, over last year's team, but not, not to this level. But, you know, I brought this up. Uh, Nick, is that the LSU game was very close last year? It was a drop football away. Florida State game, you had, uh, you know, you were in command there for a little bit. You lost that by less than a touchdown. Um, the South Carolina game, you should have won. You know, so you had, you 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 know, you had opportunities to be ten and two, even eleven and one last year. You know, um, so Florida wasn't too far from where they are right now. Uh, and I, I really think what we've learned, the biggest thing that I've learned this year is, is that it was coaching because, mm-hmm. yeah, there are some freshmen that are making impacts. Antonio Callaway is making a, an impact. Three offensive linemen, uh, freshman offensive linemen are playing. So, yes, there are freshmen that are making an impact, but for the most part, the players that are being counted on were here last year. So, to me, it's coaching. and it, It's putting the players – in positions, knowing what they do well, and putting them in positions that highlight those things that they do well. To me, this turnaround, I really, you know, I don't want to take the players are the ones that play the game, so obviously they're winning football games, but I don't think you can say enough about what this coaching staff has been able to do as far as getting the team to buy in um, and, and then getting the team to play confidently again. Because after 4-8, and eight, after 7-5, and five, you can start to accept losing in your mind. And I think mm-hmm. Florida had gotten to a point, and you can see how they reacted over beating New Mexico State. Florida had mm-hmm. started to accept losing so that even when they beat a team that might be the worst team in Division One college football, they start feeling good about themselves and let it affect practice heading into the second week of the season. So I think it's a credit to this coaching staff um, to change the mentality, change the mindset of these guys. Yeah, and and you know, I, I you could you could definitely say that something's different there. Uh, whether it's emotion, sometimes it's just confidence. Sometimes it's just getting your mojo. I'm I'm willing to bet that 
Um, the folks down at Miami that needed to make a decision uh, also looked at what was happening up there at Florida, and that probably accelerated the decision that was made last week. I mean, that and, and looking at the Dolphins, who had a coaching change and, and a, a major turnaround there, I think all that went into the decision that was made about Al Golden. Would you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think um, Miami fans are going to get Dan Campbell on the presidential ballot um, this <laughs> go-around. But when you see stuff like that happening, you know, one, right in your backyard, you know, in the stadium that you share, um, mm-hmm. and then with an upstate rival, um, how quickly things have been able to, you know, turn around. You know, Florida's selling games out now. Uh, the mm-hmm. excitement from the fan base around the program, um, that's that's stuff that has been lacking in, in, in Miami for almost Al Golden's entire tenure. So I think when you see stuff like that happening in your state and in your backyard, um, you think, you know, hey, it's, it's going bad now, but maybe if we make a switch and then make the right choice, which is the important part. The important part isn't getting rid of the coach that wasn't getting the job done. The important part is now finding the right guy to fill that job. And uh, that, that's probably a, a big task for Miami, especially with the way that, uh, the former players and the fans want to get involved in uh, in the coaching search. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, uh, they want to be firmly inserted in that process. Um, you've got fans openly campaigning to be a part of the committee that uh, they feel is coming. So isn't that something? Absolutely hilarious. Well, on the field, uh, you know, story goes out yesterday about. Antonio Callaway maybe sidelined with a foot injury. What can you tell us on that? Is is it that serious, or are we going to see number eighty-one doing what he's been doing all season on the field uh, when he uh, when uh, Saturday we, comes around? Yeah, we were actually able to get in touch uh, with some people close to Callaway um, last night um, around seven o'clock, and and they told us that um, it was nothing serious. Um, he wanted to get back in to practice uh, and the coach staff obviously kept him out. You know, it, it's Wednesday. If you're okay, you know, we don't need to, uh, we don't need you to go back in there on a Wednesday and maybe re-hurt a foot that isn't bad right now. So uh, we were told that there's no way he's going to miss a game uh, and that the injury isn't serious. He tweeted late last night for everyone asking him, fine. Um, I think it might've been uh, Either McIlwain didn't know or maybe even a little gamesmanship on McIlwain's part because George just kind of floated around injuries to uh, Jordan Jenkins and and, uh, and Isaiah McKenzie these past two weeks. Maybe a little gamesmanship mm-hmm. on, on McIlwain's part. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about what needs to happen on the field. We know what's going on with Georgia. They lost uh, their super sophomore, Nick Chubb. Uh, you know, Sony Michelle's no slouch, capable of doing the job, but the biggest thing for Georgia is now they don't have that one-two punch. So without that, what changes really have been made on offense for Georgia? What's Florida need to do to keep them in check on Saturday? Georgia's, Georgia's a little more balanced, a, a little less run-heavy. Um, you know, coming from that area, I know that Sony's no, no slouch. Got to watch him um, play some high school ball, play some seven-on-seven ball. Uh, Florida's not thinking that he's a slouch either. So that's important. You know, I think the national perception is that Nick Chubb's done, so Georgia's season is done, but that's not the case. So Georgia's a little more balanced, but what Florida's going to do uh, is going to try to shut down that running game 
and really make Georgia one-dimensional. Um, unfortunately, you know, Nick Marshall is a great player um, before his knee injury, hasn't really bounced back. So if Florida can, can slow down that Georgia running game, which is one of the best, I think it's the second best in the SEC right now, um, mm-hmm. and, and force the dogs to throw the ball, that's really going to be what Florida tries to do this week. Um, they they did that a little bit last week or two weeks ago. I know Leonard Fournette got 150, but that's almost considered shutting Leonard Fournette down. Um, and Brandon Harris beat him, so it's going to be we're going to see how much pride that secondary has. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm sure those guys were embarrassed giving up that many yards to to Brandon Harris. It was a career day for him. Um, so it's it's to me it's kind of like the linebackers were embarrassed after 30 missed tackles against Tennessee, and you haven't seen that problem. Mm-hmm. Those missed tackles right. pop up again. Right. Do the set? Does the secondary do the same thing? Do they do they take it that personally, and, and have they corrected the things they needed to correct going forward? Because you need to stop the running game this week, which means more pressure on the secondary. Exactly. Uh, I think the game plan might be similar, maybe not to. the the extent that it was against LSU, because you're facing somewhat of this, you know, same kind of team. Uh, perhaps Florida would be would would admit uh, maybe there was a little bit of an overemphasis on the run against LSU. I don't know about mm-hmm. that because you do have to contain that beast. And seeing him in person, meet guys at the line of scrimmage, and continue on for five additional yards, I think you needed to, you know, commit yourself to to him to to stop him from going, you know, loose for 220-something-plus yards like he had on everyone else. It's just, you know, the secondary needed to step up, and they'll probably need to answer the bell here. There's another factor involved in this game. Last year, Georgia was the favorite. Florida was in the doldrums, and uh, they went out and, you know, physically manhandled Georgia and embarrassed them in the process. So you're going to get a Georgia Bulldogs team that's coming in here with revenge on their mind and highly motivated. How's Florida going to handle that situation? Because that is a factor. Yeah, it's almost uh, kind of a role reversal um, from a year mm-hmm. ago. So Florida came in, I think, three and three last year, um, really pretty much out of it. Georgia's not out of it, um, but it's kind of a role reversal. Everyone picked Georgia last year. I picked Georgia last year, um, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of flipped. Any team, especially a defense that gives up 418 yards on the ground, uh, is going to come into the game with a chip on their shoulder. But Nick Washington – who's been around here for a while. There's actually six players who have been on the roster this long. They remember mm-hmm. 2012 when Florida mm-hmm. finished 11-1, uh, and, one and mm-hmm. you know, it was just that one Georgia loss that kept them from going to Atlanta. And, mm-hmm. and Nick Washington said to us on Wednesday, we've been thinking about revenge ever since then. Um, so there's, there's lots of ways to get motivated um, as a team. Right now I think Florida is doing a good job of, of just – taking what McIlwain says about the rivalry, and he really puts emphasis on, on Florida's rivalries, Tennessee, Georgia, LSU, Florida State. He really puts an emphasis on those. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't see Florida, uh, you know, the stage being too big for them or, or them taking Georgia lightly. Uh, Georgia's probably going to try to do something to rile Florida up before the game starts. Uh, mm-hmm. LSU mm-hmm. did, and you mm-hmm. didn't see anyone in Florida turn around, so – It'll be for some guys. It'll be the first time, but I think for most players on 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 the roster, they'll know what to expect uh, going into this game. 
Right. Uh, let's flip around on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, you know, there have been some strides obviously made on, on that side of the ball in comparison to last year. Um, you know, the ability to make some, some big plays and move the ball down the field in games like this. Um, you know, there were some shortcomings, obviously, in the game against LSU. But uh, you have to be happy, by and large, with how Trayon Harris played. What does he do now to build on that and, and, and you know, notch a victory in his belt here in this very big contest? Uh, well, last year, Trayon uh, completed three more passes than you and I did against Georgia mm. in, in that <laughs> 38-20 win. So he's probably going to have to complete a couple more than that. Uh, Jim mm. McElwain joked. Uh, a reporter brought up that Triana played 12 games, and McElwain was quick to say, well, he threw six passes and one. So he's, he's really played in 11 right. and a half games. There um, you go. Trion just needs to do it, – it, it, it sounds bad, but I, I, don't, I don't mean it as a, a diss. Trion just needs to manage the game. He needs mm-hmm. to continue. What he's done really well is protecting the football. So when you play in a game, a rivalry game, you can kind of throw everything out of the window, but you can't – turn the ball over you can't give Georgia more chances you can't give them short fields so he's done a really good job of not fumbling he's done a much better job than Will Greer did of throwing the ball away uh, mm-hmm. when, when there's nothing there so I think he mm-hmm. needs to just not try to do too much uh, make mm-hmm. plays on his feet when he sees them or, or when they're there but really the biggest thing is just protect the football uh, and move the chains let the defense get some time to rest um, because they're going to get tired of hitting Sony Michelle after a while. Yeah, so, no, no, move, no doubt about move that. Move change, protect the football. Uh, one uh, thing I saw in the LSU game that I didn't expect to see, especially at the time that we did see it, and that was a carry for Jordan Scarlett at a very, very crucial moment in the game. Are there any chance we're going to see more of Jordan Scarlett and, and Jordan Cronkite in this game? Because while – uh, Kelvin Taylor's having a solid season and has certainly, certainly been a leader for them in the running game. It's hard to do it with just one guy um, mm-hmm. in, in the SEC, in college football, and in these kind of in these stretch of games. What are we going to see anything from any of the other backs? Um, it, it was nice to see um, from Scarlett. Uh, Jim McElwain before the season started talked a lot about you need to have two, three, maybe even four running backs to make it through an SEC season. And he kind of mentioned mm-hmm. it so many times that that I started to think, and I went back and looked at what he did as an offensive coordinator at Alabama and then as a head coach at Colorado State. Mm-hmm. And in those mm-hmm. eight years, there were only two years where he had a true share in the backfield. There was one mm-hmm. year where Trent Richardson had over 200 carries and the next closest had 60. So mm-hmm. even though he said you need these guys, he's shown that he likes to go with one running back. And Kelvin Taylor's got, I think, three times as many carries as the next two guys under him on, on, the, right. on the depth chart. So Kelvin's obviously the bell cow. I do think that Jordan, both Jordans are sort of a different running style. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you saw the fourth down and one. It, it's an outside run with Scarlett. He really – got to that corner and then turned it up really well. Um, Kelvin's been running with much better pad level, playing behind his pads. So he's been doing mm-hmm. between the tackles, running between the tackles better than he has, you know, in the three years he's been at Florida. I'd like mm-hmm. to see them get a little more of a mix. Um, from talking to some people, I think Jordan Scarlett should get into the mix more. Um, mm-hmm. Jordan Cronkright's been playing mainly in pass protection, 
Um, but I do mm. think you'll see more of Scarlett this week. But it, it's just really not McIlwain's style to have, you know, that true timeshare in the backfield. Yeah. Uh, well, that's going to be interesting to see uh, what they do there with that. And, and, and this whole game is going to be interesting because, like you said, it's a role reversal, a very big, big opportunity here for the University of Florida to kind of cement their way to Atlanta. But uh, they've been a lot and not of a role that Florida's really been in. No, no, uh, new to that years, entire so. team. Mm-hmm. But as it's always come down to, um, you know, at least one of these teams being on their way to winning the East when this game comes up, and there have been quite a few situations where uh, someone's played spoiler. Georgia has the opportunity to do that, so that's going to make this game that much more interesting. We appreciate you coming on to talk to us about it. Absolutely. Thanks, Chad. All right, Nick De La Torre from GatorCountry.com. Uh, they're on top of uh, everything you need to know heading into this big contest this weekend for the Florida Gators in the world's biggest cocktail party. And once again, the meeting between these two teams has uh, major, major implications on who's going to win the SEC East and go to Atlanta to face uh, a, a trio of possibilities. Will it be Ole Miss? Ole Miss? Will it be LSU? Will it be Alabama. Well, we go from the Florida Gators and we uh, travel a little bit off into the panhandle and talk a little Florida State Seminoles football. I think this is the first time um, since you've been coming on the show that you're coming on after a loss. I don't remember you coming on after the Oregon game last year, so uh, a little bit of a strange situation we've got here, Bud Elliott. Yeah, it, it's almost uh, almost like you forget how to cover the team when, when they lose a regular season ball game. It had been since... Uh, since 2012. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, going into this contest, uh, I, I didn't expect it to be close at the end. Uh, I thought Florida State had kind of turned the, uh, a corner offensively. I thought they were getting better play out of the quarterback position. Not that it was bad. They weren't turning the ball over, but I thought they were getting a little bit more oomph out of it. You know, Dalvin Cook was doing his thing. And so I'm out on a Saturday night trying to enjoy Saturday night. I go to a restaurant and enjoy a meal, and I look up, TV's on, and we've, lo and behold, we've got a close ball game, and uh, then you've got a zany end. So take us through, tell me how the hell this game was even um, at that point at the end of the game. Well, uh, I think a lot of it just boils down to red zone. You know, Florida State uh, only had one touchdown in, in, in the red zone. Uh, finally did have a turnover. You know, I, I know we said last week, the offense has done a good job of limiting, you know, plays that could end up in turnovers, but they've certainly been lucky in not having any of those plays turn into turnovers. And they finally had one. Golson uh, threw a ball that was, you know, about two, three yards off target. And uh, and in the red zone, that is a, a huge miss, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the ball, mm-hmm. ball needs to be more toward, towards the end line, and, uh, and it wasn't. And it, Travis Rudolph, to his credit, ran a really nice route and, and had the safety beat. Um, pretty clearly, and uh, and, and mm-hmm. Golson just misfired, and, and they were able to pick it off. And and you could say, hey, Gold, you know, Rudolph needs to catch that ball, but uh, I, I think most of that's on Golson because even a, an average throw there is, is a pretty easy uncontested touchdown. So they had the interception there, and uh, you know you got to put this on, on the offensive execution in the red zone for the most part. The, the defense held uh, Georgia Tech's offense to 16 points, which is pretty solid. Yeah. Um... You know, definitely on that. And your Detects had their issues this year, which is – and then, you know, Florida State was able to beat them in the championship game last year. So I thought they would um, be in good shape here. It turns out that they weren't. 
has there been any kind of Monday morning quarterbacking going on about the decision to kick and what you would do in the future about kicking the ball in that situation? I know there was a whole bunch of talk after the whole Auburn-Alabama kick situation as to what you would do, um, who you have on that team, whatever. You know, I've had some discussions with some football people. Well, what do you do? Who do you put – who do you put on your field goal team to kind of help you out if something like that happens? Because, you know, you got a bunch of heavy guys, um, and your, your best chance at an athlete is maybe one of your wings, but typically they aren't, you know, athletic enough to go run down a defensive back that might pick that up. So what kind of Monday morning quarterbacking has gone on about that decision to kick uh, at the end of the game? You know, it really, it really hasn't been as much as I, as I thought it was going to be uh, because, you know, typically fans want to focus on – on the, the, the play that they think won or lost the ball game. And, and I told our readers, I said, hey, that, that play ultimately was, was the final play of the game. But Florida State lost this game in the first 20 minutes by not capitalizing on its you know great field position down in Georgia Tech territory. That was the time mm-hmm. of the game they had to win it. Um, but you know, if you have Roberto Aguayo, he's made, what, four or five field goals over 50 yards in his career. You know, He's the, the best kicker in college football. He has a chance to be the back-to-back Groza Award winner. Um, mm-hmm. I, I I don't have any problem with, with kicking the ball there. As far as guys on the field uh, on the field goal team, uh, what's crazy is Florida State actually does rep this. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if they did it before the kick six, but I know a- after that happened with the Saban thing, uh, Florida mm-hmm. State definitely did rep it. And they w- what they do, their wings are defensive ends, right? And you know if you, if you mm-hmm. play defensive end Florida State, you're, you're fairly athletic. Jimbo talked right. about. He said, you know, it, everybody wants to talk about let's have guys on the field goal team who can run who can run guys down. But the problem is you can't go put cornerbacks on your field goal team. Yeah, you right. got block. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, honestly, I think the the major issue there uh, was finding the ball. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, every, every, you don't you don't necessarily know where the ball is, and then uh, you know they're they're screaming, "Hey, left, left, left," because that's where the ball was, and that and initially it looked mm-hmm. like the kid was going to return the ball to left. So the, the guys who saw it. Are going left. Then you got several Georgia Tech guys waving their arms. No, 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 no. Like get away from it, right? And so then we could see, <laughs> yeah, yeah. we could see, including their coach, yeah, yeah. including their coach. Like two or three of the FSU players see them waving their arms, and they kind of turn, like, like okay, the, the, the play is dead. We're going overtime, you know, because they're right. like, say, get away from it. Cool. Right. And so then the kid, it, it ultimately that took about two two guys out of the play. The ball being mm-hmm. left took about four or five guys out of the play, and, and you were left with with some really poor numbers to the right, which mm-hmm. is you know, actually to the wide side of the field. And credit to that kid. He had a great return. And, and uh, you know, if, if you don't put teams away when you have a chance early on, stupid stuff like that can happen. Yeah, no, there's, there, you know, there's no doubt about that. So, um, you know, before before the game, which was a night game, uh, I'm sure Florida State fans were having all the fun in the world with what was going on down in uh, Sun Life Stadium. As uh, I mean, you couldn't bend down and tie your shoes without another Clemson touchdown going up. And it got ugly, and it got ugly real fast. As someone who's covered Florida State for, you know, a certain amount of time here, if you're covering Florida State, you know a lot about Miami. Give me your thoughts about uh, the Al Golden era, what's happened there, and what you think is going to happen next at the University of Miami. Like, this is your Paul Feinbaum moment, your Danny Cannell moment. Uh, what do you think is okay. going to happen next down at the University of Miami? Well, I, I think this is a really important hire for Miami. I mean, clearly, look, at the time, I don't think the Al Golden hire was a bad hire. He had taken Temple and, and turned him around, and Temple was really a down-and-out program. And you know, we got down in there. He talked about having a plan, and, 
And we saw he, he didn't always connect with, with the local community and local high school coaches all that mm. well. And, and, look, that's not, a, that's not a necessarily a super easy bunch to get along with. There are a lot of guys who mm. are sort of, you know, big personalities down there, and they all want their kids offered. And, you know, the problem is if you offer the kid early well, like they want him to, what if he doesn't turn out? And then you end up pulling the offer, and then the school's down there. It's a complicated you know, little dance you got to do down there. Uh, and right. I don't know that there are other places that are quite as – uh, quite as like vocal about it, like, like the, the Miami high school coaches are. But for me, this is all about: is Miami going to spend money? Because if they are going to spend money, then it really opens up that coaching pool. But if they're not, I don't think you want to get a guy like Elaine Kippen, who's had great resources everywhere he's been. You know, like Tennessee, whatever you want, Lane, cool, we'll spend it. USC, same thing. Bama, same thing. And he probably has three or four personal recruiting assistants. At Miami, you don't have that. So I, I think if you're the Canes, if you're not going to spend money like the big boys, you have to really – I think you want to get a guy who has been able to do more with less, you know, like a Tom Herman at Houston, like a Justin Puente mm-hmm. at Memphis, a guy who won't have a culture shock when he gets to Miami and he realizes he doesn't have all the amenities that an Alabama has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Florida State fans, or at least the ones you've been able to communicate with or that have commented and said anything to you, are they at all worried about – what might come in next to Miami? I, I think there's always a little bit of, of acknowledgement, at least, that with, with the talent down there, right? So, so I, I think there, a lot of people are sort of in the same boat that I am. I don't know that Miami is going to get back to that like super elite championship level. At the same mm-hmm. time, they should be better and perhaps a lot better than they were under Al Golden. You know, not mm-hmm. winning the Coastal Division in, in the first decade in the league is is pretty crazy and. A little bit of bad luck, but also some bad play involved in that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Miami should probably win the Coastal Division, what, at least two or three out of every five years? You know, so, so, I, I would think so, and I, I think the time, fans feel that yeah. way, yeah. So and that's not totally unrealistic, which means you're, you're maybe you're taking home an ACC title, you know, what, 20% of the time, which means you have a t- potential at a playoff appearance, and, and maybe, you know, maybe you go to a New Year's Six Bowl, uh, you know, that are time. That, to me, isn't totally unrealistic for Miami. Like, I'm not one of these people who thinks Miami can't, you know, be a top 15, top 20 type team on a consistent mm-hmm. basis. I don't, I don't agree with some of these fans that think it's the number one program in the country and all that kind of craziness. But, you know, you got to be able to do better than Al Golden did down there. That's pretty pathetic. Speaking of that, uh, he's gone now. What do you see as next for Al Golden? Do you think he's a good coach? Can he coach at a Power Five conference team, or is he a mid-major guy? What do you What do you think of him? I I don't know. Like after watching him and, and some of the some of the interactions he had with, with his team on all the videos that Miami put out, he seems like a guy who should head back up north. Uh, you're mm-hmm. just sort of this. I would agree. You know, like okay, the unity over unity overcomes the adversity type stuff. Would you ever say that to your seven-on team? <laughs> no, but that's Come that, on. Like, there, there, there's a, a certain d- let's go kick some butt. But, right. Yeah, but there's a certain, like, like bravado and, and you know, let, let, let's, let's coach with some confidence. You know, this is this is Miami. And I don't want to be a – I don't want to be a guy that's like, got to have swag. But there's a little bit No, but bit you do. You got, and you got to mix a little Dan Campbell in there. You know, everyone's on the Dan Campbell kick. But the guy is in, inspirational. Uh, makes makes a, a group of guys want to go out and be violent in a violent sport. So, um, yeah, exactly. you gotta have you gotta have some of that. All right, uh, you posted a very very interesting article. 
Um, and it's not the one that you think yet because, you know, that's, that's second. You talked about the wide receivers at Florida State. And then the title goes, uh, forget McIlwain, Florida State is keeping wide receivers away from Florida State. Now, I know you don't write all the articles there, but it is on Tomahawk Nation. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. What's, what's going on there at the wide receiver spot, and, and, and why, is it, why is it less than what it has been? Why is it falling off, it seems, a little bit? Well, I think Fisher is uh, – Jimbo won't come out and say this, um, but I think he realizes that this is a, a bit of a rebuilding year. And mm-hmm. he really wants to instill in these kids uh, who, to, you know, to his credit – or, to, you know, in defense of Fisher, they have, you know, they have been hurt. George Campbell sliced his finger open and, and missed a couple weeks of practice, couldn't catch the ball. You know, Auden Tate cracked his toe open. Uh, Noonie Murray had, had another injury. But – I think he really wants to instill in these guys, if you don't run the routes correctly, you're not going to play. And mm-hmm. that might hurt FSU this year. And in fact, I think it probably has mm-hmm. some. At the same time, mm-hmm. that might benefit them in the long term. You know? Right. Uh, by, by saying, hey, we award playing time to guys who practice well and, and, and who do the right things. Fans, of course, are going to always clamor, you know, why aren't you using this more athletic guy? And uh, if, this was, if this is next year, and they're still not, you know, utilizing that talent a little better. Maybe they have a problem, but I do think Fisher is operating this thing a little bit with, with an eye towards 2016 because he realized he did lose so much, and that this is not like a national championship caliber team. Yeah, um, and, and kudos to him for knowing that. It's so important, I think, in, to have success in, in coaching and you know anything in life, but it's especially coaching is to know what you are and know what you aren't at the same time. All right, let's talk about the article that uh, ruffled a little bit of feathers there. And it's the one talking about how loaded the 2013 Florida State football team was. And they were so loaded that people should probably stop talking about 2001 Miami Hurricanes being the best ever. So I'm going to give you the floor on that to kind of explain where Tomahawk Nation was going with that. And let's see if we could find out which ends up on something being said so blasphemous. Well, okay. First, this is actually an explanation article. I, I just linked it on Tomahawk because I figured a lot of FSU fans would like it, and they did. That got almost a thousand Facebook shares, so pretty happy yeah. about that. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I think that the thing was, Florida State has some recruiting assistants, and they were tweeting out photos from the 2013 national championship team with with mm-hmm. uh, like like little arrows and indicators. And this was a response to what Alabama put out about their 2012 title team, which showed that basically everybody on the field ended up in the NFL in some shape or form. Either they got drafted or, or they made mm-hmm. it as a free agent, that type of thing. And so which is impressive. There, I, don't care, I don't care where you're from. That's impressive. Yeah, and so Florida State uh, found some photos and were like, wait, ours is the exact same thing. All, all, all 22 guys mm-hmm. uh, ended up in the NFL or at least, you know, uh, got drafted. I know Nick O'Leary didn't make the Bills, but he got, he got picked. So they, they put, you know, drafted, obviously, on his – um, mm-hmm. You know, and and so they they tweeted out. I said that's that's pretty damn impressive. And so a lot of Miami fans are, are always saying 2001 Canes, 2001 Canes. I think that 2001 Canes are probably pretty clearly the most talented team you know ever to play college football as far as guys end up in the NFL draft, at least in the the '85 scholarship era. But I don't know if it's by that huge of a margin. You know, Florida State is, is going to have a, a boatload of guys off that team in the NFL as well. And I think they're at least in the conversation. Now, the award probably goes to Miami, but I don't think it's by this huge gap and, and nobody else is even in the discussion. Um, 
Yeah, I, I mean, as time goes on, obviously that you know gap will close down a little bit. I think University of Miami fans would say, yeah, you can show us a graphic from 2013 with all these guys being on NFL teams, and it's gonna, you know, only time will tell on something like that. What that 2001 team eventually ended up doing in the NFL and making Pro Bowls and being you know integral parts of you know um, very successful teams is what really separates them from. Uh, what anyone else wants to see, including USC, who wants to insert themselves. I think their 2004 team is that the team. I think they they they, right. they throw oh, out there is. Chad. Yeah, I mean it's, they. It's what was you know, they, post, they, they, Miami's college. success, the guy, like what those guys did in the league, absolutely. But I would point out this: I do see a lot of Miami fans on, on Twitter that use the success of the guys in the league as justification for the idea that that was the best college team ever. And, look, they might have the most mm-hmm. NFL talent or, or maybe the team that ended up being the best in the NFL. At the same time, though, they really don't have this clear-cut argument as being the best college team ever. You know, they, they beat Virginia Tech by two points. They played a very weak, biggie schedule for the most part. You know, they needed a pick six to beat Boston College. There are a lot of mm-hmm. teams in that conversation. You know, and and I, I, to me, the more impressive thing about that team was its eventual great NFL success and not necessarily what it did on, on the actual college field. Mm. Um, yeah, well, I, you know, you can, you can look at it. I think a lot of it though, is just looking at, um, the athletes that were on that team. And you know, what's, what gets a lot of attention also as well is that you had a lot of crazy talented on that 2001 team. And, you know, people will quickly turn up and tell you, you know, Sean Taylor was a backup on that team, you know, Frank Gore, a backup, Uh, you know, stuff like that is I think what gets thrown out because it's just talent that came after that. Um, and with that in mind, here's the last thing. Uh, this talk of Butch Davis coming back to the University of Miami. He was the architect of that, probably you know the one responsible for all of those guys being a part of the eventual you know 2001 team and then the 2002 team that ended up going back to back and um, got cheated on on a on a very lonely night in Arizona. But uh, what what are your thoughts about Butch Davis possibly coming back to the University of Miami? And you think he could duplicate? that type of recruiting success in this day and age? You know, I, I, I don't. Um, Miami's recruiting success, at, at least in part uh, back in the day, was, was due to the fact, and, and as a guy that you know, has a service, you know this, digital mm-hmm. film really wasn't available back when, when Butch was putting that team together. You know, we, we were still putting kids on CDs and on VHS tapes you know, and, and sending mm-hmm. them out, and that's a lot less efficient. It's a lot harder to see. Nowadays, you know, Miami doesn't have the chance to build that relationship exclusively with a kid when he's a freshman in Miami because he's putting his stuff on Instagram and on Huddle and on all those sites pretty much immediately, you know, as a freshman. So Nebraska mm-hmm. can see him. Ohio State can see him. Part of the reason Butch Davis did so well is because they were able to identify that talent so early, you know. And, and now right. that opportunity is, is less exclusive. I think, I think YouTube – you can make a pretty good argument that YouTube has hurt Miami a bunch. Digital film – has really hurt Miami because it, it's exposed that area of the country much more to everybody else. You know, it used to be this mantra that a, a two-star from Miami is better than a four-star from Ohio. Maybe back mm. in the day that was true. Nowadays, we pretty much get to see everybody. You know, I, I don't know how how true that is anymore. Um, you know, yeah, so like, it would it would stand to reason that the the team uh, most hurt by this, you know. Information age would be the one in the area that has the richest talent, which is, you know, the University of Miami right here in South Florida. So you can't really 
hide the kid in that school that's right behind the the strip mall. Um, you know, if he's a player, exactly. you know, he's he, he's gonna and they have Wi-Fi. <laughs> that kid's out there, right. so um, it is gonna be a different story uh, in terms of recruiting for for Butch and Davis if he comes back. You know, he's yeah, also four years old. So you're if you're Miami, you know, you, you what's the longest the coach has been at Miami now in, in the last like what thirty years, six years. I think six uh, might might have been Butch who had to see that yeah, whole Butch. thing through. It, it, exactly. So is, let's let's say you get Butch Davis. Is Butch Davis going to last longer than six years? That would put him at seventy one. Is he going to be? Is he going to be the coach at seventy two? If you hire Butch, it, it, it's almost a message of hey, this is a short term turnaround. And then once mm-hmm. Butch is in year three or four, those same questions that Steve Spurrier was getting asked about how long you get a coach, those are coming right back. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. Once a guy hits seventy, even Saban has to face those questions, uh, despite all the success he's had there. So I, I'm sure the uh, new University of Miami coach hire is going to be as closely watched in Tallahassee as it's being watched down here. So that's certainly a saga to follow. Do you have any? Um, do you have any? Do you have any? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Are you a little bit nervous at all about this game against Syracuse with the game against Clemson sitting here on the horizon? Uh, well, it, it's an obvious look-ahead spot uh, with, with Clemson on deck, and, and it's also a bit of a hangover spot, if you want to use that, that sort of gambling term, with, with the Georgia Tech loss. And they've, you know, they've held Dalvin Cook out of practice. They've actually held Everett Golson out of practice a little bit because he got, he got pretty dinged up. Uh, there's rumors that he had a concussion against Georgia Tech and, uh, after the helmet-to-helmet helmet helmet hit. At the same time, though, Syracuse uh, on the road this year has been pretty bad, and they mm-hmm. uh, their, their quarterback is also dinged up. I, I don't know that Florida State's going to murder them, but uh, I really don't have much trepidation about an actual loss. Well, last question before I let you go here: um, Clemson came down here and absolutely punished Miami, fifty-eight nothing. Clearly, they've gotten over the hump on uh, some roadblocks they've had in their mind about winning big games. So with that in mind, what are your thoughts as we look ahead here? And I'm, you know, you're obviously going to be back next week to go more in depth in this. Uh, what are your thoughts about the Florida State Clemson matchup? What, you know, what do you what do you think Florida State's chances are of winning against a Clemson team that seems to be, you know, one of the two three best teams in the nation? Uh, I, I'd say a lot of it depends on, on on getting guys back healthy. You know, if you don't get Terrence Smith back healthy, if you don't get Nate Andrews back healthy. Uh, that then the middle of your defense is still is still too vulnerable to the pass, and and, and I give you a very very small shot. If, if Florida State gets those guys back, and it looks like they're actually on track to, you know, they, they didn't play against Georgia mm-hmm. Tech, they might not play against Syracuse just to be sure. Uh, and then if, if Dalvin is 100 percent, right now I don't think he is, uh, but mm-hmm. but if if he if he's 100 percent or close, you know, if you have an electric player like Dalvin Cook, and you've got a really good defense, which I think Florida State does uh, for the most part. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a chance to pull an upset. I'd probably give them like a 20, 25% shot, which is not great, but it, it, you know, Clemson looks to be a real deal this year. Yeah, um, no doubt. Since they got over the whole Clemsoning thing, um, it really they really do seem like that juggernaut. Watching them in person, obviously Miami didn't put up enough of a fight, but they've got a lot of what they need to uh, make it down to, that, really good to that last game. He is Golf, underrated. The, uh, he the, is. The, that, yeah. that kid can play. Yeah, I, I think yeah. if he wasn't in the same division as Dalvin, he'd be getting a lot more hype. Yeah, fits very well in with what it is they try to do there. So, 
Um, so we'll leave it at that. Well, obviously, and that's going to be a big talk for us next week as Florida State and Clemson get ready to to uh, have the big clash there in the ACC. As always, Bud, appreciate you coming on and sharing your time here with us. All right, yeah, take care. Have a great weekend, man. All right, you too. Bud Elliott from TomahawkNation.com, uh, truly the uh, best Florida State site out there. If you're a Florida State fan and you don't visit TomahawkNation.com, you're pretty much missing out. you got to make that one of the sites that you visit regularly for information on Florida State football. You know, that's everything from recruiting to uh, pregame workup to postgame information and they watch film and break things down there, and they ask the tough questions. They write the tough articles. So, you know, i got to give credit where credit is due in Tomahawk Nation. Really getting it done in terms of Florida State coverage. So you gotta you got to give them a look. All right, well, listen, I've reached the end of another great Thursday show here. Uh, I want to say thanks uh, to both of my guests for coming on, as they do every week, and providing us, the uh, listener, and me, the co-host, with great information here on the show. I really appreciate it. Bud Elliott from Tomahawk Nation and Nick Delatory from Gator Country coming on to uh, talk Gators and Knowles football. Appreciate all of you for listening as uh, we touched on a number of topics here, NFL, college football, as well as some fantasy football. Still didn't get an answer from you folks uh, about who are the top, who are the three coaches in college football that could win anywhere. I guess the obvious answers from everyone would be Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, and, and you know, Jim Harbaugh. But uh, you still have a chance uh, to answer that question for me. You could do so on Twitter. Do you have anyone that falls outside of those big three? Because I don't think Nick Saban's going anywhere else. Not sure what Urban Meyer would do. Certainly not Nick Saban's age. But uh, can you give me someone out of the three obvious three that can uh, go and win anywhere in this country? As, uh, you know, the University of Miami is... Still in their search. They're not the only ones, though. UCF needs a coach. USC needs a coach. Maryland needs a coach. And uh, with that being uh, the question and that being the situation, uh, all these other coaches at places either have to, you know, go in and get new contracts or, you know, throw out the traditional sentence during their weekly press conferences about not being a candidate, not being interested in the University of Miami job, similar to what, uh, Franklin had to do for Penn State today, and you know Charlie Strong had to do earlier in the week. You're going to see much of those coming down the pike as everyone becomes a candidate with all these jobs being open. All right, nevertheless, programming note, we're back on tomorrow. Football Friday tomorrow. High school football talk, college football talk, NFL football talk, and uh, our picks, Emil Calamino and I, we're, we're uh, doing pretty damn good so far this year. Uh, between college and NFL football combined, so you don't want to miss that. You don't want to. It's coming down to the end, uh, the nitty gritty, nut cutting time here in high school football. So you don't want to miss that. I will have Joshua Wilson on with me from FloridaHSFootball.com to talk high school football here in the state of Florida as we start getting down to the playoffs and the big, big, big time district matchups. You don't want to miss any of that. So be sure to come back for that. But for now, thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of the day. I'll see you guys tomorrow on the Gridiron Stud Show. No. You high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? 
Step up and visit GridironSuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Takes two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironSuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen.